coming to the end of hashtag freedom this week and next week and we will be done we will move on over the fall we're going to be doing i believe a few things uh not the least of which is going over our four main anchor points as a church it's been a while since we talked about these and and you hear me say reach and teach a lot but reaching and teaching is anchored to four different thoughts they are connect serve grow and go. Those are the four things that we intend to be doing as a ministry till Christ returns. Everything's got to fall through those filters of connecting, serving, growing, and going. You put them all together, we say that's reaching and teaching, and that's what we want to be able to do. So over the fall, we'll be reminding ourselves of some of those ideas that we want to continue to reinforce. And then we'll be going over some things of of our core beliefs that I think will be helpful to you, especially those that are new to us. And you'll be able to find out exactly what we believe when it comes to those essentials of the faith. But two more weeks in the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to Galatians chapter number six. If you have version on your smartphone or tablet, then if you go to the right under more and hit events, you should find our service today as a follow along on version. If you don't know what in the world I'm talking about, but you think, oh, I'd like to be able to do that, then almost anybody on the hospitality team can show you where to find it, or you can ask me and I'll show you where to find it so that you can follow along. But everything should be on the screen. Today we're going to be looking at Galatians 6 verses 6 through 10. We started last week as we're coming to the conclusion of this letter that Paul wrote to the people living in Galatia. Paul has defended the the, uh, authenticity of the gospel that he preached. He's defended the exclusivity of the gospel that he preached. Anything apart from what you've heard me say is contrary to that that God has given us. And that is that Jesus Christ put on flesh for the singular purpose of bringing those of us who are lost, dead in our sin, and that's all of us, the scripture says. The purpose is that God put Christ, he he sent uh, the second person of the Godhead into human flesh so that he might die in our place and for our sin. He was buried And he was raised from the dead and is alive today, having secured payment for our sin, having secured justification, that opportunity now that God has to declare us righteous, not because of any works that we have done, but because of the work of Jesus that was done on the cross in our place and for our sin. Now, by faith, we can accept what Jesus did as payment for our sin. And when we exercise faith and faith alone on the finished work of Jesus, God can then justify us. He can declare us righteous. And that justification comes by faith, not by works of the law. And then we've learned that once someone has experienced justification that comes by faith, then our lives have been given to freedom. God opens the chains. God opens the prison doors and sets us free. For what purpose? For freedom. We've been set free to be free. Free to do whatever we want? No. Free to follow the God who loved us and gave himself for us. We're free to pursue that relationship that we have as his son or daughter by birth and adoption. He's given us the freedom not to, to be held back or hindered by any rule, by any, by any hindrance, by any race or creed or color. 
We're free to follow him as his children wherever he leads us and to accomplish everything he intends to accomplish for and through us. He's given us freedom. But if we put ourselves into shackles and chains with rules and regulations, most specifically the Mosaic law for these people living in Galatia, then we end up putting ourselves in hindrances of our own making. And Paul says, never do that. That was never the purpose of God. The purpose of God was to give you freedom. Red Bull gives you wings. God wants to give you freedom. So that you can chase after him. And since you and I both know that if you have this freedom, you'll use it to indulge your own fleshly desires that you recognize are still there. Why are they still there? I wish they would just go away. They will. But right now we've got them and we wrestle. He says, but you don't have to worry about that. What you can't do, God has already addressed through the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Andrea, for reminding us that he dwells with us and in us who by faith know Jesus so that if we'll just simply listen to and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, we will be where God wants us to be when God wants us to be there. We will respond to the distractions around us in the way God intends. We will ignore those longings and desires of the flesh because we've got our focus and attention on him and through his power, he will lead us in the way that we're to go and he'll lead us away from the things that we must and need to avoid. And at the same time, as we're listening to and following his lead, the spirit will produce the character of Jesus that we could never try hard enough to get. He will produce that in us and it'll look like things like love that we never knew we could have for someone. How could I love this person that hurt me? It's not your love. It's the love that God is producing in it. He'll produce joy in your life. How am, how am I still feeling a sense of joy even though my circumstances are negative? It's because the Holy Spirit is producing that in you. And peace and kindness and gentleness and patience. And the things of that nature, the character of Christ that God is producing and pushing out in you. And the more you hear, the more you listen, the more you follow, the more you order your life according to the leading of God, the Holy Spirit that has been implanted in you, the more you'll look and sound and act and respond and be like Jesus, which ultimately is God's purpose to transform us into his likeness so that our life might reflect that of our savior who among us that knows jesus as our savior would rather look like us than like jesus if you wrestle with that if you say well, you know what i kind of like what i got going on jesus has a you know i just don't know that i'm in line with him then i would recommend that you really do some soul searching Maybe it is you've never trusted Christ by faith. Or maybe it is you have gotten so far off the path of listening to the Holy Spirit that you're down in that muck and mire of sin. Last week, we heard Paul say, now you who have been given to freedom, 
Those of you who have, have been given the opportunity to, 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 to be and become everything that God wants you to be and become, I want you to use that freedom to serve others. Specifically those who have gotten off the path of following the leading of God and have now found themselves entrapped by sin. I want you to use your freedom and as an opportunity to wade out there to your brother and sister so that you might be instruments in restoring them to a place of functionality, that you might help them get out of the trap of sin and you might walk them out of the muck and the filth with your arm around them, not condemning them, not, not judging, not seeing yourself as better than them, but actually walking with them, keeping a, a mind about the fact that I could be there. And in fact, if I'm not careful, I'll be there. And you're walking them out of the muck and you're helping them become functional again in the family. And God is using you as an instrument to do what he's doing in their life. And then the two of y'all walk together out of the muck, following Christ. I want you to use your freedom, Paul says, in serving one another, restoring those who have been broken by sin. Now today, we want to look at the second part of his application. Not only are we to restore our brothers and sisters, verse number six, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Four things that we want to see this morning that he just simply lists for us to consider and we'll be done. Thinking, Paul, is it sounds like some random thoughts, but they're all connected and they're connected. I want to remind you again to Galatians 5, 13, where he says to use your freedom, not to indulge your flesh, but to serve one another. In this section, he's talking about how we use what God has given us in service of others. How are we to invest the things that God has given us in the service of one another? You might have heard it in sermons past, as God has given us time, God has given us talent. God has given us treasure. And that's a boiling down, but basically it's saying everything we can do with the time we have to ourselves, everything we can do with the gifts and ability that have been, have been given to us and everything that we can do with the treasure that we have at our disposal. First of all, he says in verse number six, let the one who is taught the word Share all good things with the one who teaches. Most folks understand that what Paul is doing here is making a shift and he begins to talk about how we are to share our financial resources. In 1 Timothy chapter number 5, verse number 17 and 18, Paul tells Timothy, who was leading the church in the city of Ephesus, 
He said, I want you to consider this. He says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter number nine, verse number nine, Paul tells that church in that city, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Verse number 11, if we've sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? In the same way, the Lord commanded those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Here's what Paul, most, most students, the book of Galatians, understand that what Paul is doing is applying a principle from the Old Testament that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse number four, where he talks about oxen. Oxen should not be muzzled while they are treading the grain. While they're pulling the plow, an oxen shouldn't have a muzzle over its face. What would a muzzle hinder that ox from doing? Well, breathe, well no, you could breathe through a muzzle. Sorry, sorry about that. that. That would be more of a torture. It would keep it from what? eating the muzzle would keep the ox from eating and God says that's not right if the ox is pulling the load the least you can do is let that poor boy let that poor girl eat along the way I mean come on you're gaining from its labor the least you can do is let them grab them a couple of morsels along the way so that was a, an agricultural law. The idea was don't be so stingy. I mean, good grief. It's just a little bit along the way. What Paul is doing is taking this Old Testament principle and applying it to New Testament reality. In the Jewish world under the law, the priest and the Levites were to be compensated through a, a, a financial responsibility that every Jew had to pay. They would pay taxes, if you will, or they would pay a tithe, a percentage of their income to the temple. And then those funds would be distributed out among the, the, the priest and the Levites. You say, well, why do they get that? Here's why. Because the priests and the Levites were bound to the service of the people. They were not allowed to own land. They were not given a portion of the property. So they could not go out and earn a living because all of their time was to be spent spent in the temple for the benefit of the people. And so God said, since that's what I'm doing with them for you, now I'm going to use you who can go out and make all kinds of increase through crops and livestock. I'm going to let you help to provide for them because they're in service to you on my command. Well, that's how they did it in the Old Testament. According to the law, you just pay your temple fee, you pay your temple tithe, and it handled it. In the pagan world that these Galatians were from, they would do very much the same thing. If they needed to go to their temple, to the pagan God, they had to pay like an entry fee. They had a cover charge, if you will, to get into the temple. And what was that money used for? To keep the temple up and to pay 
the temple priest to whatever goddess or God they were serving. But God never instituted anything in the world of us who've been set free. In the world of us who've been set free by faith alone in Jesus, and yet God has called those to take the word. In fact, he's gifted them with the ability to communicate the word for the benefit of the people. And what are they supposed to do? Paul says it right here. When he says, those who are taught the word should share all good things with those who teach the word. So it's the idea of paying ministers. Now, I don't know how that suits you. Maybe you think that's not, you know, maybe you think that that's not necessary. You think that's absolutely necessary. I don't know where you land on that. God doesn't say how much you're supposed to pay your leaders, your elders who do well. God doesn't say that you need to, to take out of your income a specific percentage. He just says you're to share. If you think about it, if that's how we're to use our freedom, how much does God want us to share? How much does God want us to do? How much, how much time does God want us to invest in the brother who's caught in sin? I think the idea is generosity. Now, so that none of you think that I'm trying to drum up more money, let me make this statement very, very clear. From the time I came, Haven Baptist Church has taken care of me and my family greatly. And Oasis Church continues to do that. In fact, if you're a covenant partner, you got a copy of the budget. You know how much I make. And that's probably more than some of you make. And it's probably not as much as some of you make. Bottom line is, is that you've always had leaders with the idea to put this principle into place. And that is, we're going to take care of our pastor. There have been times when I thought that financially it would be smarter for me to go to part-time and get a part-time job and be bivocational. In fact, and you can ask these guys that have been in the room for a long time, all the way back to Danny, who was in the room when I first came. There have been a number of occasions when I've said, look, guys, I think it might be smart if we just drop me back to part-time. Let me go get a job. And can I tell you that your leaders, those have been in the room, those have been responsible for the spiritual direction of this ministry, have never been willing to even entertain that thought. I throw it out, and they all say, absolutely not, and don't bring it up again. I bring it up again, and they remind me, I thought we weren't going to talk about this anymore. But the bottom line is, I want you to understand, your leaders, are intent on taking care of me. So I am being taken care of. So what I'm saying right now is not going to do. Our budget is set. I'm getting what I'm getting and I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. The question is, how much are you participating in the financial uh, involvement of this local ministry? Not just me specifically, but I will tell you the biggest expense we have as a church is me right now. Salaries typically in most businesses are what, 60 to 70% of a lot of, especially that are, that are, that are staff heavy. So I'm the biggest expense. I'm being taken care of. The question is, what more could we be doing if all of us were willing to share what God has given us in our financial resources. I mean, do you give right now? And, and if you give, what is your plan for giving? Now, 
I'll go to a concert or I'll go to a, a, an event or I'll go to some place that's not here and they'll take up an offering and I'll go, oh man, they're taking that. There they are. They're going to pass it by. You know, these folks are doing a good job. I mean, they really are. And so I'll pull out my wallet and I'll look for something and I'm going, okay, God, what do you want me to put in there? Please don't tell me a lot because... Yeah, I don't go here. <laughs> and so I'm looking and I do. I'll drop something in and I feel better about myself because I've dropped something in. I wonder how often that takes place in this ministry when we walk by the, the two snazziest guys in the whole ministry, Herbert and Jim, and we walk by them and they don't ever growl at nobody. They're just holding those plates and they're smiling. We don't even pass them here. We don't even put it in front of you to have to hand to somebody else. We just put it at the door. I wonder how many of us walk by and just sort of drop something in the bucket. Just, I'm wondering if, if God is not more intent on a depth of investment. Again, not in my life, that's it, but in the investment of what he can do through us. He says, I want you to take your freedom. You've been given freedom. And I want you to use it where your wallet is concerned. And I want you to use that freedom not as an opportunity to go and build and make more unless you're going to distribute that for the benefit of what? Others. We've got three missionaries right now. A couple in Alaska, a couple in Portugal, who in fact are going to be with us in a couple of months. So I'm looking forward to y'all getting to meet Adam and Melissa and their family. And we've got a family over here at the mission that we're supporting. How much more could we do if we had more? I'll tell you how much more we can do. We'll do all that we have more we'll do with it we won't sit on it we, we won't hoard it we'll put it to work now the plan is to be somewhere else within the next nine years so we'll have to set some of it aside to kind of make a part of that plan but that's just stewardship the point is are you using your freedom to support the ministry of the local church financially he goes into another thought, but it's connected to that same idea. What he does off of that, off of that idea that was just, look, just take care of the person that God has put in front of you to teach you the word. Take care of them. They're using that time to serve you. Use what God has given you to take care of them. And since we're talking about that, I think Paul says... Let me remind you of a principle that's not Mosaic law. It's just God's principles of how he operates. And here's what he said, verse 7. Don't be deceived. D don't deceive yourself. Don't, don't think that you can just ignore this. God won't be mocked. That means that you can't turn your nose up to God. You can't hear God say something and go, Okay, I'll think about that. You can't walk. Don't deceive yourself in thinking that you can turn the conversation away from God and that God will forget what he said. God won't be mocked. God won't be ignored. God won't be turned up at. 
Here's what God says, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. How many of you garden? Anybody garden? You do anything? Okay, we're all going to die when it happens. And <laughs> Beth, we're coming to live with you now in your tower garden. I don't know where you're going to find power, but you got a lot of folks that don't have Publix when it all comes Christ. Anyway, I hear those who garden tell me that when you put a seed of corn in the ground, you don't harvest okra. At least that's what I'm told. I'm told that if you plant beans, you're going to get beans because whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Right. Look, it's true in the garden. It's true in every aspect of life. God says, you plant it, you're going to harvest it. Now, he goes on to say in verse number eight, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The one who is born is born in the flesh, in his sin, entrapped in her sin. The only thing they can invest in is their flesh because that's all they got. And the one who sows to the flesh, no matter how hard they work, no matter how hard they try, when they stand before the Lord, they will do what? They will reap the corruption that has come through a life of just doing what I think is best. And they will experience that eternal, everlasting corruption and destruction, which that word corruption actually could be translated destruction. They will reap what their flesh has sown. We get that. But at the same time, he says, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap what? Eternal life. The one who hears and has ears that understands that Christ has died in their place and for their sin, and they respond to the pulling, the leading of the Holy Spirit, drawing their heart to that truth. They submit themselves to the God who loves them, and they lay their sin at his feet saying, God, I can't do anything of myself. I'm dead. I'm incapable of doing anything that will please you, but I believe that Jesus died for me for the singular purpose of providing what I can't do for myself. And I believe I want your forgiveness. And God goes righteous, justified. The one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit, not from your works, but will from the spirit reap eternal life. But the same thing is true on both accounts for the follower of Jesus. You know why? Because when Jesus opened our prison doors, he gave us the freedom to follow him. He gave us the command to follow him, but he left the option open to be distracted. Hold on, God, I gotta check this out and follow the leading of my flesh. So while it's true, the one who only lives as, a, as an instrument of the flesh, it will ultimately reap the destruction that has been promised. And the one who comes to know Christ will reap the eternal life that has been promised. The one who is a follower of Jesus also has to think about what is being done in this life. 
And in this life as a follower of Jesus, you have two choices. You can either follow his lead or you can follow your own. But the law of sowing and reaping will be experienced no matter which we choose. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he or she has done in the body, whether good or evil. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, hear me, church. It is not to decide if you've got more good deeds than bad deeds to let you in. This is not a St. Peter at the gate. I hope I got more good than bad so I can get in. My goodness, that is not how it works. It's by faith alone in Jesus gets you in. No faith in Jesus keeps you out. But we will stand before the Lord to have an accounting of how we've used our freedom. He'll say, all right, it's so good to have you here, Kevin. I am so excited that you are here, my son. Now, let's let's see what I can give to you on the basis of your investment, of your freedom. I wanna give you so much, so let's just, let's just start at, I don't know how to work. But I don't think it's meant to be a sad time. It's meant to be an exciting time. We have awards ceremony here on the last day of school every year. And there's some sadness that goes along with that because maybe I didn't get what I thought I would. But you know what? It's not designed to be a sad time. It's designed to be a celebration time. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 13, I think gives us a picture of what this looks like. Verse number 11 says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. What is, what is the foundation of whether or not I get in or not? It's whether or not Jesus Christ is the Savior and his uh, suffering and resurrection is or is not what saves me. Okay, that's the foundation. Now, we build on that foundation as followers of Jesus with what? Our hashtag Freedom, okay, just making sure you're paying attention. He says, now, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, feels like a three pigs little story, but that's not what it is. Each one's work, verse 13, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. All right, gold, silver, diamonds, two by fours, a roll of hay, and some clippings that you have from last week in your lawnmower, okay? I'm pulling the shield down, got my blowtorch here, and I start to shooting. What's gonna happen over here with the gold, silver, precious stones? It might melt a little, but ultimately what's happening is I'm gonna burn off some of the junk on it, but what's happening to all these other things over here? Poof. 
and it's going up and it's going to end up being a pile of ashes. So when the fire has done its testing, what is left? Only those things of value. Paul says, look, you've been given so much time, talent, gifts, abilities, treasure. How you use them is going to determine the reward you get to receive. But, but let this blow your mind, okay? Just really, let it blow your mind. God wants to reward us for things that he does in us as we just follow him and he produces stuff through us. It doesn't really seem very fair, does it? I mean, God's doing all the work. We're just following along, being obedient. But yet he wants to reward us. See, I'm not taking gold, silver, and precious stones that I bring to the table and stacking them up. I'm just bringing obedience to the table. And God is taking from his storehouse going, ooh, boy, that's a gold obedience right there. That is, a, oh, man, that's a, that is a silver obedience. Look at that. that. Man, that faith you just exercised in circumstance, I, I knew it was happening. You didn't know, but you trusted me. Man, that is diamonds right there, boy. That is some more because I knew what I was going to do. You just trusted me. Diamonds. But we get over here and go, God, I got some things I need to do. Okay, but that just sort of looks like lumber. It just sort of looks like, hey, it just kind of, that's just, that's what you're doing. And it's just accumulating us. It looks good to you. And you might even got a lot of pats on the back. And would you look at that pile of wood that Kevin's got built right there. That, he is so awesome. Yeah, I know. I thank you for letting me know that. You saw that too. And God's going, I'm sorry, buddy. That's going to burn up. Make sense? So we can use what we have and we've got the hashtag to use it however we want. But when we invest it according to the leading of the spirit, then there's reward, right? So he says, I want you to support your local church financially. I want you to employ all that God has entrusted to you. Number three, verse number nine, he goes, and let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. What he says is, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Never give up. With so much going on in our world to distract us, with so many things that we've put and placed in our own mind, it becomes really, really hard to use our freedom in, in following the Spirit because what we want is what we want. And in our society, we've been told that we have the right to do and be 
whatever we want to do and be. And can I just tell you, that's not true if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, this country has given us the opportunity to use that freedom in ways that other places don't have the governmental approval. We're not given the freedom to be what we want. We're given the freedom to follow him. We can do what we want, but it'll burn up. Does that make sense? When we do that, because of the distraction, because of how hard that is, we at times want to just give up. I'm done. This is just too hard. And you go, I don't know anybody like that. Well, Jesus did. His name was Peter. John chapter 21, Peter saw the Lord crucified. Peter saw the Lord taken down. Peter saw the Lord put in a tomb. Peter's saying, what? What's happening? The problem was Peter wasn't paying attention along the way. He wasn't hearing what Jesus was saying, but he was looking. He was discouraged. He was frustrated. He was aggravated. You know what he said in verse number 21? He said, I quit. Guys, I quit. I'm going back to fishing. I know how to do that. I don't know how to do all this. I've been following him, and now they've killed him. They're probably going to be looking for us. I'm going fishing. And you know what the rest of the disciples said? We're going to. When you feel like giving up because it just doesn't seem like what you're doing and following the Spirit's lead, it just doesn't seem to be amounting to anything, you know what God says? Hey, don't give up. When was the last time you planted a garden and 24 hours later went out with your little bucket ready to pick corn? Well, that's dumb because you'll go out 24 hours later and you'll just find a mound of dirt. Probably... Two, three weeks later, you might get a little sprig about as long as your finger. You still got your bucket. It's like, I planted that corn. Where's the corn? You got to give it time. And God says, look, you keep planting. You keep God, I got my bucket. I'm ready to harvest. Man, I thought if I did this, you'd make me healthy, wealthy, and happy. And God goes, yeah, I never promised any of those things. I promised difficulty. And then at the end of that difficulty, I promise to come back and bring you into glory and allow you to see and experience things far beyond you could ever imagine. I never promised that you'd be healthy, wealthy, and I don't know where y'all got that happiness stuff from. I never said that. I said I'd give you joy for the journey, and then I would bring you into my glory. Got my bucket, Lord. That's good. You, You keep that bucket with you. And don't give up. It ain't time to harvest yet. You keep sowing. The more I sow, the more I reap. But I don't see it. That don't mean it's not coming. Because in this life, you'll, if you're honest, if you've sown in obedience to the leading of the Lord, you've seen the sprig at different places in your life. In, in fact, most of our faith stories are stories of the sprig. Most of the things we talk about what God has done in our life is monumental to us. And what we're looking at is that little bitty green out of the ground. We ain't even got to the corn yet because that's what God has provided so that when it's tested by fire, we'll go, what? I went, are you kidding me? I went on that short-term mission trip and I didn't think 
All I did was just sing that song to that little boy and he sang with me and I got to cry. I don't think he thought anything from me. And you know what God was doing? He was going, that's what I'm talking about. Going there with their language to speak my love into their life. That's a gold song to me. That's a platinum single right there. You know why? Obedience. And we go, I don't see any fruit or results. Well, it ain't harvesting time yet. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on the neighbor. Don't give up on the one who's over there in the muck that can't seem to hear what you're saying. Don't give up on what God's called you to do. Don't give up. Don't give in. Because I ain't harvesting time yet, but it's coming. And then lastly, verse number 10. So then as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of faith. How many of you had an opportunity today to do good for somebody? Anybody? Did you have an opportunity to do something good for somebody today? Anybody? Oh, boy. All right, here's what I want everybody to do, right? Take your right hand if you're right-handed. If you're left-handed, use your left hand. And I want you to bring whichever dominant hand that is yours, and I want you to bring it up to the side and lift it as high as you can reach. This is not yoga. This is just, we're stretching and hold it, hold it. Hold it up there, hold it up there. Uh, Now, how many of you had an opportunity to do good to somebody today? Oh, really? Oh, y'all, excellent. You put your hands down. Bunch of slackers, Eugene, I'm telling you. Did you have an opportunity all the time to do good to who? Ready? Everybody. I'm gonna be willing to bet that there's somebody in your circle that has never experienced the blessing that God wants to use through you in their life. And it's only because you haven't taken the opportunity. As many of you as have the opportunity, and you know what God does every second of every day in every encounter we have? He goes, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity. Some of you have been to Vegas. You've walked along the side of the strip or wherever it's at, and there are folks handing you stuff all the time. Hey, come see this, come see that. Listen, God is handing you opportunities. You're going to encounter somebody at work. I don't like them. God goes, here's your opportunity. But my neighbor, oh, he lets his dog and whatever. There's your opportunity. Oh, man, that person tells such long stories, and I just really, really hate listening to them. There's your opportunity. That person does things that aren't in in keeping with God's word. There's your opportunity. Those people don't see things the way we see it. There's your opportunity. It doesn't matter. God's got a pocket full of opportunities. And he just keeps, and Paul goes, look, use your freedom. Since all this other stuff is true, let's use our freedom as we have opportunity to do good to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. It should never be that any one of us feel alone in this body. That shouldn't be, but I know it. I know you are feeling that way at times. And can I just say this? I'm sorry. 
Because I'd be willing to bet there's been a lot of opportunities that I could have done good for all of you and just was more, more, more focused on what I was doing for me. I'm sorry. Should use my freedom for you. By God's grace, I will. I'll probably miss some of those opportunities. But what would it look like if we all decided, let's take a step. Let's consider our investment financially. Let's consider our investment talent and gift-wise. How are we using them? Let's consider our investment with our time. And let's consider taking those opportunities to do good to all as an extension of what Christ has done for us, for his glory, the building of his kingdom, and for the amassing of rewards that Christ will give us that we don't deserve, that we can give right back to him because he deserves it. Agreed? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that is present within us, that know Jesus as our Savior. We thank you for the reminders that we've been given today. Simple, but direct. God, I pray that you will help us to to know your heart for our investment in everything that you've given to us and give us the courage to want to sow generously so that we might reap bountifully and then turn around and lay those at your feet. Give us the courage to listen to the leading of the Spirit and to follow him no matter how risky it might feel and I bet it'll feel really risky Help us to recognize the sure thing, and that is what we plant, we will reap. That you're with us, that you'll empower us, and that you'll equip us to all good works. We love you. We thank you. The one who doesn't know Christ as Savior today, Lord, I pray that they will see him crucified and risen in their place and for their sin, and available to save completely by faith alone. May they not leave today before they trust Christ as Savior. First in his name we pray. And everybody said, amen.